for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show, 49ers beat runner David Lombardi is here as we look back on last week's draft, revisit one of the biggest moments of Joe Staley's storied career, and look ahead to what the newest 49ers need to do in order to keep the red and gold atop the NFC Conference. It's Friday, May 1st. All right, David, well, we will drill down to the details momentarily. But after a week now of reflection, let's start with your overall grade for the 49ers. Uh, What was a pretty trade-heavy draft on the old A through F grading scale? Where are you slotting in the 2020 draft for the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you can't give a draft an overall final grade. It's going to be fluid until several years down the road when you see how everybody plays because that's the biggest variable. So I like to give it a range, and I think that the floor is actually decently high here. I don't think this draft is going to be worse than a C, which is average based on who the 49ers picked. But it can be an A+. I mean, if you get the type of production that the film suggests you can get from Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle out of South Carolina. You have a plug-and-play replacement for DeForest Buckner. If uh, you get the type of production that the film suggests you can get out of Brandon Ayuk, the receiver they got a 25, then you have an upgrade over Emmanuel Sanders. I'm not saying immediately, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. going to take a while to learn the ropes, but Brandon Ayuk is faster, especially than a 33-year-old Emmanuel Sanders. He's obviously cheaper. He's more explosive after the catch. He's more of a deep threat. So right away, if you get the potential out of these first-round guys, you have an improved roster for the 49ers. So the question is, do those guys reach that potential and how quickly do they reach it? And if they reach it quickly, this can be an A-plus really, really fast, right? Uh, because those two first-rounders are where the money of this draft is going to be made. But, uh, you know, it's it's funny because in the seventh round, 49ers got Jawan Jennings, seventh-rounder who was mocked by PFF to be a first-round draft pick back in January and by other services to be a third, fourth-round draft pick. Then he ran a slow 40. There were a couple character red flags issues, but the 49ers are not concerned about those. They did their research on Jawan Jennings, and they think that this is just a fiery guy who's going to fit perfectly into their system. In fact, they said that uh, they love his attitude. You know a lot of people in this league are going to love him, and I know he's um, one of our most favorite guys to watch. He's a bulldog. He usually plays in the slot. Um, I feel like he could probably play linebacker if he wants. He's willing to fight everybody out there. He fights for yards. He makes plays, and it's there's a mindset to that guy that you don't have to talk to him to hear about you watching on the silent tape and you know what type of football player he is and if you haven't watched the film yet you put it on Jawan Jennings 6'3 he's gonna wear number 81 so they gave him T.O.'s number but if they could get value out of that seventh round pick that some of the pre-draft forecasters had thought that you know where Jennings would go earlier and those two first round picks just play up to their standard potential this could be an out-of-the-park home run for the 49ers, uh, but right now, we just don't know. We have to see these guys play, and I don't think that the floor is all too low, though. So I say anywhere between an A-plus and a C. Okay, and I love that you brought up Jennings because I was really intrigued by that move. What intrigued you the most? What move that they made, either one of their picks or one of their trades? What intrigued you the most? We were dealing with such an unprecedented draft, but had the 49ers casually swapped out one all-pro left tackle for another all-pro left tackle at any other time when there was actually, you know, a little less competition, I guess, <laughs> yeah. uh, with, with the football news cycle. Yeah. That would be the story nationally. I mean, they replaced Joe Staley, who's an all-timer, at left tackle 
with another guy who has a chance to be an all-timer at left tackle, Trent Williams, just like that, just with a snap of a finger. It's not supposed to be that easy to go from one stud left tackle to another. But the 49ers might have upgraded because Joe Staley is going to be 36 this year. Trent Williams is only going to be 32. Shanahan seems to think the fact he didn't play last year is going to be a benefit because he's fresh. He's not going to be nicked up anymore. Trent being out of football for a year and a half, you worry about that with some guys. I personally only think it would help him. I think his body's going to be fresher. Trent's as impressive an athlete as you'll ever be around. And I know he's prepared. And I mean, everyone loves making a great living and everything like this, but Trent loves football. Very similar to Joe Staley in that way. And that's why we're excited to get him. And you throw on the tape of Trent Williams from the past you know, decade at Washington. This guy is a Shanahan dream. I mean, he, he moves really well, maybe not quite as well as Staley, but he's a little bit stronger. So the fact that the 49ers improved at one of the most important positions on the field uh, so nonchalantly, that's the move of the draft. Let's talk some more Joe Staley, because uh, earlier in the week, understandably, everybody wanted to share their favorite memories. Jim Harbaugh, Patrick Willis. I'd love to know some of your favorite Staley memories, because you've been around the team for a while now, David. Yeah, so Joe Staley in 2017 was going through his second nadir with the 49ers. And this was what I thought was the most remarkable about him is that he went through seven different head coaching tenures, 191 games of the 49ers, two different mountaintops, twice he reached the Super Bowl, and two different deep valleys, right? So there was that initial struggle when Joe Staley first came, and then Jim Harbaugh took over in the 49ers went to the Super Bowl to close the 2012 season. Then times got dark, and and they were really dark for a while there for the 49ers. They went through several head coaches in several years. Staley was there for all of that. And then Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch took over in 2017, and that's also when I came aboard with the 49ers covering the team. And those were dark times. That was dreary. It was 0-9 for the 49ers. They became the first team in NFL history to lose five consecutive games by three or fewer points. So they were losing in heart-rending fashion week after week, and this was wearing on people. I mean, I don't care if you're building, rebuilding, not expecting to win, tanking for a draft pick. If you're losing every week by less than three points, and you have those what-ifs and those close calls every week, but you come out on the losing end, that's going to really wear on you. So you fast forward to when the 49ers dropped to 0-8 at what I thought was the very low point of all of this against Philadelphia in the rain where Joe Staley takes a cheap shot. It's on an interception return. So somebody blocks him from the Eagles. Bethard in a shotgun formation, takes the snap back, Hyde stays in the block. Bethard throws a pick six here. Intercepted, running down the far side. Well, he's going to have to cut back into the middle of the field. Is Jalen Mills to the 10, to the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Philadelphia. Joe Staley's hurt. And Joe Staley down on the play. And it's not good. And I don't know if it was Fletcher Cox or somebody lit Joe up when he wasn't looking, but it was nasty. And he breaks his orbital bone right under his eye. So he's literally bleeding right under his eye because of the broken orbital bone. So Joe Staley's out. Everybody's talking about four to six weeks. There's no way that a guy with a broken eye is going to be able to come back anytime soon. There's no way he's going to come back if this team is 0-8, 0-9. Lo and behold, two weeks later, here comes Joe Staley back out onto the field in full uniform. The 49ers were 0-9 at the time. Keep in mind, this is a guy that had played in the Super Bowl about six years prior. They beat the New York Giants at home at Levi's Stadium. 
It was the first win for Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, in charge of the team. And Joe Staley was crying after the game. He said it was the most fun win that he had ever had in his football career. I don't know, this might sound kind of bad, but I mean, I'm enjoying football again, you know. Excited to come to work every single day. You know, the last couple of years, there were days where I, I, couldn't, I couldn't honestly say that, you know. So uh, that's awesome to have that feeling back. Really, really excited about working with the staff. And this was a guy, obviously, that had playoff wins under his belt that at the time already played for 10 years. And he said, this is how much this win meant to me. So even in a season that, you know, people mathematically would say was lost, Joe Staley's passion was, uh, you know, fully on display. And look where it got the 49ers. If that passion is not there, if that locker room leadership is not there the way that it was in 2017, I can guarantee you this team is not going to the Super Bowl too short seasons later they had to develop the attitude to be able to fight through those losing times to make that turnaround happen once they had the talent and then they had the talent in 2019 and they made it to the super bowl so it's a long story but uh i think that that 2017 moment for me is the defining joe staley moment because you learn a lot more about people when things are rough and we learned a lot about joe staley through both the great and the rough times and all the feedback was good Yeah, an absolutely incredible 49er who we're all going to miss. All right, a couple more before we let you go about the draft. Your favorite move that the 49ers made, either one of the guys they picked or one of the undrafted free agents that they signed? I like Jawan Jennings. I I really do. I think that, you know, anytime you can get a guy who had high round value, you know, it was only one mock draft to put him up in the first round, but the point is still taken. This guy was valued by many people to be much higher than a seventh-round pick. You know, he's not fast at straight-line speed, but he has amazing yards after the catch ability, and he's got good short area quickness to get open in that big slot position. And I think that, you know, say Jalen Hurd stays healthy, he's been cleared, 49ers would all of a sudden have, you know, 6'4", 6'3", tandem in the big mm-hmm. slot. going to be really hard to cover with defenses downsizing their defensive backs. So you could see exactly what Kyle Shanahan is doing, trying to get a comparative advantage. So... I like Jawan Jennings. He can throw the football, too. He, he They used him as a Wildcat quarterback to open games mm. occasionally at Tennessee. Uh, he can obviously block. And, you know, here's the thing. There's a reason Dante Pettis didn't play a lot last year, and it's because uh, Kyle Shanahan didn't think he was showing the real fight and toughness to go get dirty over the middle of the field and take some contact over the middle of the field. And you see the guys who did play are the guys who pair with Jimmy Garoppolo's short area throwing ability. Jimmy Garoppolo likes to fit the ball into tight windows in in on short passes. So you got to be ready to take a hit and absorb it. So the guys who did play, Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, two great examples. When Emmanuel Sanders came in, he was able to absorb contact. Dante Pettis started getting alligator arms and he really wasn't able to to, to get open in the way that the 49ers needed him to. So the, the theme of this draft was to go out and get these tough guys who are able to absorb contact, and, and he got Ayuk, and, and he got Jawan Jennings, who definitely fits into that category. So, you know, there's more value in, 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 uh, in Jawan Jennings than there is Ayuk, and that's nothing against Ayuk. It's just that one guy's a seventh-round pick and one guy was the first. All right, so with who they drafted, going off of what you just said, with the toughness that they drafted, guys they signed as undrafted free agent, trades they made to clear up salary cap space, what are the 49ers trying to say to us and the rest of the league? Well, they want to build sustainable power, and, and the only way you do it is if you replace guys who are going to push you over the salary cap with adequate uh, talent that is uh, much cheaper, and that's the only way you do that is through the draft. So the 49ers uh, pick and chose their spots. They decided to 
choose free safety as a place where they felt they needed to spend some money and, and re-sign a trusted name instead of relying on a younger player. So they re-signed Jimmy Ward. And obviously defensive line, they paid Eric Armstead. But elsewhere, they didn't want to you know, match the price for DeForest Buckner. They didn't want to match the price for Emmanuel Sanders. So they went out and handpicked the replacements in the draft. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to win Super Bowls, but they're also trying to sustainably be in position to win Super Bowls for years to come. And you look at how the Patriots did it. You look how how the Niners of the past did it, even before a salary cap. It was the same idea. You had to replenish talent through the draft. And that's what these 49ers are doing. Awesome, David. As always, thanks for stopping by. Great to hear from you. Thank you. So the defending NFC champions replenished the coffers while bidding adieu to 13-year veteran Joe Staley. I loved hearing David's favorite Staley memory. It was so important. Glad he pointed that out. And I also loved hearing Staley's teammates, like fellow offensive lineman Mike McGlinchey, sing Joe's praises this week as well. Every interview, every everything that I saw was that this guy Joe Staley was the best in the world at what he did, but he was an even better teammate and leader on his team too. And That was always somebody that I wanted to model my game after and now knowing him, certainly my life after. And then that block, obviously, that was one of the coolest plays, you know, I've ever seen. Empty backfield, shotgun Smith. Saints bring extra man. Alex going to boot to his left and run. He's going to run it 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Do you believe it? What a play. The play of dreams. Alex Smith runs a bootleg left on the shotgun, and he runs it in for a touchdown. (laughs) He pulls around faster than half of tight ends or fullbacks would to get up into that space and lays out for his team and still winds up being like the second or third guy to celebrate with Alex Smith in the end zone. I remember the crowd going wild after that for sure. We had to get that highlight into the pod, right? We just had to. Now, for those of you who, like me, can't get enough Joe Staley, keep an eye out for a long-form feature that David is putting together right now. He said he's talked to literally everyone, including Joe's high school track coach. So you know this feature is going to be good. We've linked to the page where David's articles are posted in the description notes of today's podcast. Don't forget, you can now listen to us through any of your Google devices. Just tell your assistant, play the update with Kate Scott Podcast. And if you aren't a subscriber yet, now's the time because we've got a free 90-day trial subscription offer right now. That's right. You get to read David and Matt Barrows and all our other great writers for three months absolutely free. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash the update. That's theathletic.com slash the update. Sign up and boom, 90 days, three months of reading the incredible sports journalism at The Athletic for free. As always, if you're enjoying the pod, we'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe. Or if you just want to keep listening, we love that too. For all of us here at The Update, thanks to my old friends at KNBR and the 49ers for that awesome sound. Thanks to David Lombardi for stopping by, and thanks to you for listening. I'm Kate Scott. Stay healthy and safe, everybody. We're doing great. We are getting through this together. We look forward to talking to you again on Monday.